Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Philosopher's Stone podcast. This is your, your night DJ host, Slippery Wick, coming in <laughs> to sultry, sweet sounds of philosophy coming your way. Uh, Sam, I'm not going to lie. I'm like fucking so exhausted today. We, uh, we, uh, we, we did a Zoom comedy show last night. Me and uh, Kyle and Chrome. Oh, wow. Uh, Kyle P. Yeah. Ferris? Yeah. Nice. Kyle P. Ferris. Wanted in most states. Um, <laughs> mostly child abductions, but other stuff too. Mostly. He and I and, and Crone all did a Zoom show, and it was actually a lot of fun. We all did new jokes. Uh and we got fired up, and then afterwards we just we just partied like it was at an actual show. We we drank all the beer, <laughs> and we may have delved into some other psychedelic substances. Um, it was a good time, but I was up till like four in the morning, and so I am just an absolute wreck. And we just woke up, and I just ordered a bunch of pizza, and I stuffed my dumb face with it. And now <laughs> I feel like shit inside and out. Nice, and um, but I look. Just as handsome as ever, so it's a kind of wow. amazing. It's a juxtaposition, is what my outside versus my inside is right now. It's a dichotomy. Dichotomy. That's what I'm saying. This is the Philosopher's Stone podcast. Thanks for joining us, uh, Sam. Yes. We got to talk about this uh, UFC card that happened last night. I didn't. Did you order the pay per view for it? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, definitely. Really, it was the first. Uh, UFC event since COVID that had an audience, like a full audience, right? Yeah, it was a packed house, fully sold out, not a mask in sight. Crazy. Just insane. That's Florida, right? I was like, I was tripping out. Yeah, I was watching it tripping out. Like, I haven't seen that many people in one place before. And like, when the yeah. the fighters are entering and they're walking down like the tunnel of like fans, it was like, yeah. it was like they were walking through a tunnel and the walls of the tunnel were made out of like people like trying to grab them. It was I wasn't even like on psychedelics or anything, and I was tripping out. But I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Crazy. So I didn't see the actual pay per view, but I did watch the the. Uh, I saw like the results and like the clips of the last like moments of each fight, and it seems like it was one of the like, gnarliest UFC events that's happened in like a long time. Hey. Eh? Oh my god! I only watched the main card, but like every single you only watched the main card i only watched the top five fights oh, oh, oh right right. and every single fight was like a crazy finish dude i watched the chris weidman oh my god the chris the chris weidman leg break i watched i saw a little clip of it today and i literally almost threw up i was like that is insane and then it took me a second to realize that the only other time that injury has happened in the ufc was against him it's like what the fuck is happening we're in a simulation joe rogan was right Nuts. That was the first thing that made me think maybe like karma is real because this is a, this is a crazy. Uh, these are two crazy things that have happened to Chris Wyman, right? So Chris Wyman beat Anderson Silva twice. Yeah, the first time he beat him, it was Anderson Silva was like trying to be a goof and like pretending to go into the Matrix. Yeah, and Chris Wyman just punched him right on the chin and, and put him down. Yeah, and then right crazy seems like a crazy fluke. Then the second time, yeah. It was that leg break, also a crazy fluke. Now, two, Chris Wyman, I think two weeks ago, his father-in-law got hit by a car and died while he was walking across the street 
to go to Chris Weidman's gym. Really? And the person who hit him with the car was a fighter in that gym. Terrible accident. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, Jesus. And then this happens this week, right? Like, he was he was blessed twice. And then cursed twice. Two crazy fortunate things. And then cursed twice. Like, what are the odds of that? Ooh, blessed twice, cursed twice. That's it it awakens nice the little... superstitious part of my ape brain. Yeah. The best part of the ape brain, in my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> Making something out of nothing. Uh, so... Yeah, I just wanted to bring those up because that was, was it looked gnarly. All the fights look like the finishes look pretty gnarly, and I wish I kind of got that. But you oh, know what? Man. Instead, I decided to yell comedy at a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was a good way to spend your time too. It was fun. It was fun. You made people happy. It was still good. Still good to hear new jokes from everybody, and I don't know. It's obviously not the same thing, but it 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 did. Like it was weird. Like we were getting like nervous beforehand, and then like we had that high that you get after like a great set oh, afterwards. Yeah. Like I, I, I will never complain about a small audience again. Like ever. No, I never understood why people did. Well, because you want the biggest laugh possible, right? Yeah. So that's true. yeah, that's the more people. But like even just hearing like glitchy little cackles from a laptop screen was getting me going, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm so, so deprived of that. That feeling. Do people turn their cameras on? Does the audience have their cameras on? Yeah. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. So you can see probably like 10 or 10 people or so when you're uh, performing. But it's it's weird because you're all seeing like people in their own living rooms. And uh, I don't know. Some of them you can just barely like make out their like glasses reflection. And it's like, I don't know. It's not like looking at a real audience. And you can't really rely on their laugh like timing for laughing because uh, the way Zoom works is only one person can be heard at a time. So when they do all laugh, they you only hear one person laugh at a time. Oh god! And it just cuts cuts quickly between. Yeah. So like, as far as like using the uh, laughter to help with your timing of delivery, it's like you can't do it. So you have to kind of go up there and deliver it as almost like a monologue. Uh, rant type set you know and just kind of pause that's what i was thinking yeah you got to pause where you expect there to be laughter but yeah i don't know i i felt good about it everybody had fun and then yeah afterwards we we put them back we put them back uh but yeah i'm in rough shape that's all i was trying to say i'm in rough shape so you're gonna have to carry the load on this one sam what are we talking about oh that's fine i've, I've been doing that since mordor man i'm, I'm I'm well adjusted to carrying the load. <laughs> Sam, get off the road. <laughs> okay, but I have, I have a question. What? When you do a Zoom stand-up show, do you actually stand up or do you sit in your chair? We had a stage set up and everything for oh, ours. Wow. Damn, you guys are pros. Like a tiny little foot-high stage. We had a mic stand. We had a stool. We had like a backdrop. I think it helps to like... um have that set up to make it feel more like a stand-up stage instead yeah. of like I mean Tim Nutt headlined and he's great but like sitting in his living room like at his computer desk is a little bit just it it felt like a guy just being funny on a laptop but not really like a stand-up performance whereas I feel like maybe our opening bits were a little bit more stand-up-y just because we were actually standing up who knew that standing up is actually part of the art form of stand-up <laughs> I mean, the people who are really good seem to be able to like sit down on stools when they do it. 
but that's just a really ha- advanced. <laughs> Unless you're Dave Chappelle, who stopped <laughs> going for laughter like three years ago, uh, or Mark Marin, who is like, you don't even really know what he's talking about half the time, and I don't think he does either. Uh, like, but like most comedians that I enjoy watching, none of them sit down. No. Like besides Dave Chappelle, who sits down and says about I don't know what happened to them, but he is like the last few things I've seen from him that he's put out were like TED talks with a couple of jokes thrown in. Yeah. Not that he wasn't having like interesting points and like his message was relevant, but it was not making me laugh. <laughs> and but he he's, just he's just go for it. Oh yeah, I think he's just he's just past trying to make people laugh. Like he just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think he's more of like a inspirational speaker at this point. Yeah, he's made people laugh for so long. Like it must just be like just not hitting like it used to. Maybe I don't know, man. I don't know if I could ever get sick of that feeling of like, like a whole audience cracking up at your shit. But there's also that thing about getting too well known like getting too famous as a yeah. stand-up comedian and then like you're never tested because the audience is just so in love with you the second that you're they already know they love you they they're like gonna laugh at anything that comes out of your mouth that's why steve was, martin yeah. quit yeah that's what i was gonna say steve martin yeah yeah sometimes i hear these professional comedians that have been like at the top of the game famous for years and they reminisce about the times where we are at Essentially, when you're an unknown and you get in front of a room of full of people that have no idea who you are and no reason to like you, and then you crush, that feeling is even better than crushing for a bunch of people that are already on your side. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No question. No question. Like, that's the problem for Dave Chappelle is he's so well-known. Yeah. Everybody thinks he's the god of stand-up anyway. It's like, it can't feel like a challenge to him anymore. Exactly. Maybe that's why he's, like, kind of stopped with the joke writing. Uh, yeah. Like, and kind of is now going for more like profoundness. Yeah. I think he's going to run for political office. You think so? Yeah. Governor of Kansas or wherever he lives. <laughs> well, he'd probably win. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Maybe the last, maybe I, well, we'll see when his next special comes out because I did like his last couple specials, but the things that he's been oh, putting yeah, out on yeah. YouTube are way more just like. Oh, yeah. Like the nine minute. Yeah. Nine minutes, 39 seconds. Did you watch that trial, by the way? Which trial? The Derek Chauvin trial. Oh, no, I did not. Oh, man, I watched that. I watched that thing gavel to gavel. Gavel to gavel. Gavel to gavel, man. Damn, how long was it? It was like uh, two and a half weeks. Pretty short. Pretty short. Holy shit. Or no, maybe three weeks. I can't remember. It was pretty short. The whole thing televised? Yeah. The whole thing was on YouTube. So I was just like doing work and like just had it on YouTube all day. So what were some highlights in your opinion? Oh my God. Like I was just more surprised by like the, the, uh, the right, the right wing reaction to it where they're all like surprised. Like they think he should have been acquitted. And I mean, if you watch that trial, there's no way you could acquit that guy. No, man. Unless you're just a, unless if, if you're a reasonable person and you watch that, and you were on that jury, you would have convicted him. The only people who would have convicted him would be like completely biased, absolute racists. Reasonable people are extremely hard to come by these days. Sadly true, yeah. Everybody's, everybody's so politically minded now, it's ridiculous. It reminds me of when I lived on the East Coast, of like how people were then. But now that's like everyone over here, and I, I'm not a fan. 
Yeah. Not a fan. People are so biased with every little thing, every little contentious issue. They it doesn't even matter about like the logic behind it as long as it's the their company line. Yeah. It's whatever their side has declared to be correct, that's what they will stand by no matter what. It's fucked on both sides. It's so dumb. Yeah. Anyways. I think part of the problem is people don't even understand what he was charged with. Like people seem to think he was charged with first degree murder, but he wasn't. What was he charged with a second degree? He was charged with it's called second degree unintentional homicide. Uh-huh. So you are committing a felony and you kill someone while and you cause someone to die while you're committing the felony. Ah. And you're a substantial cause of their death. And so the only question in the trial was like the real really the only question was was his that knee on the neck technique was that a felony? And so the entire police department just testified against him basically. Really? Yeah, like the police chief, the trainers, the top cop in the city, everybody was on the stand like this was totally unnecessary. We don't train this. This is not our, this is not what we do. Like Wild. He, his entire department turned on him. Like I it's, I don't think that's ever happened before. That's actually surprising. I would have thought that they would have been like, you know, either silent or on his side. Yeah. He's fucked. The fact that he pleaded not guilty was like all they could hope for in pleading not guilty was that one person on that jury would just be an absolute nutbag, which it's the state, so there's a chance. But now going to sentencing, the problem is that now he goes to sentencing and he pleaded not guilty to everything. Yeah. So that means no remorse, no sense of responsibility, nothing, right? So the judge is going to take note of that. He might get a pretty tough sentence. Yeah. Yeah, but he'll be up for, he'll, they'll probably like appeal it and he'll be up for parole or whatever. It's probably going to serve like oh, eight yeah. years or some yeah. shit. Yeah. I, yeah, who knows? Probably not even. The recommended sentence is 14, I think. 14? Yeah. I mean, he'll probably serve half of that is what I would guess. Well, I don't know. He's, he got convicted on three different things. So if they make it consecutive sentences, then he could be away for a while. But mm-hmm. what people don't know, and this was not allowed as evidence in the trial, but it's very interesting. Yeah. He and George Floyd worked as bouncers at the same nightclub. That is like... And Derek. How, yeah. And Derek Chauvin was fired because he was too violent. How is that not relevant to the case? Because he wasn't charged with... Uh, they just, the prosecutors didn't want to like risk bringing first degree murder into it. Cause then you have to prove first degree murder. Right. Which is really hard to do. But the thing is, is that Chauvin did not testify. He pleaded the fifth. Okay. And the reason he pleaded the fifth was because if he testified and like tried to tell his side of the story, which he doesn't need to, yeah. cause obviously like you can watch the video. Yeah. But if he testified, then they could have cross examined him. And in the cross examination, they could ask him all these things about. George Floyd about all of his other uh, use of force complaints. So it was too dangerous for him to testify. That's wild to me that he knew the guy. Yeah. Like he, so while he had his knee on his neck, he's like, I've worked with this guy before. I know him personally. So it was like, that does add up. George Floyd was a better bouncer. (laughs) This nightclub. It's just so he was jealous. He was jealous of his bouncing skills. He was. Chauvin was a tiny, tiny guy. 140 pounds. Yeah. Small guy. Yeah. So that, to me, that makes it make, like, ah, that makes me think it wasn't even an accident, really. I mean, there's no way. Maybe accident, he, death, but. No, no, no. He, he kept his knee on his neck for three minutes after they found no pulse. 
That's wild. Yeah, like there's. Yeah, it sounds like that dude fucking. Yeah, he just murdered someone. Yeah, straight up, straight up. Yeah, they like, in my opinion, it probably was intentional. But I wonder if he's going to be in Gen Pop. No, Gen no Pop Priz. You don't <laughs> think so? No way. No way. <laughs> he wouldn't last a day. That would be awesome. Oh my god, he wouldn't last a day. He'd be he'd be shanked on the first day. <laughs> Oh man, no! I hope someone. I hope they just there'd just be a cycle of of inmates kneeling on his neck over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> oh yeah, the prone position. You like that? Yeah, yeah. So, do we have a lesson today, Sam? Oh yeah, we do. Um, yes, we have an email to get to at the end. Another okay, beef nice. email from those fuckheads over at the Back Table Comedy Podcast. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is the problem with flame wars is once they start, there's just no putting those flames out. Man. Yeah, I know. And they're they're really just they're they're just spitting some fucking vitriol at me. And it's ah. really just I mean I know it's supposed to be funny, but it's kind of just poorly thought out bullshit. But we'll get to that at the end. We'll get to it. Um Yeah. Okay. So so here's a this is a quote from an economist article. Economist is a uh Highbrow Magazine. Uh-huh. Not to be confused with Highbrow's Magazine, which is an eyebrow um, magazine. that about Eyebrows that are too high on people's faces. Really? Yeah. Wow. I should get a subscription to that. <laughs> Will the price cause me to raise my eyebrows? That's how most people even get into it. It was they see the price and then they look at the name and they realize that they're doing it right then and then they're like, it's probably worth the price because this seems very relevant to me right now. It's like, hey, I do raise my eyebrows a lot. Yeah, I raise my eyebrows a lot too. Usually if I see something interesting. Yeah, especially a magazine about raised eyebrows. (laughs) See, the problem is this magazine is about the eyebrows. It's not about the interesting things that people see that causes them to raise their eyebrows. Yes, but then they actually learn that the raising of the eyebrows are actually the most interesting thing about everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, why do we raise our eyebrows when we see something interesting? I don't know. I don't know. Would that be an evolutionary? Well, I'm sure it will say in the fucking magazine, dude. So just get that subscription. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So here's a, here's a quote um, from The Economist. Okay. Quince is the first word. So already you can Quince? tell this is a high this is a highbrow. This is a highbrow magazine. Oh god, see, I'd already Quince. just stop listening right there. <laughs> okay, here we go. Quince morality. That is a question which has troubled philosophers since their subject was invented. Two and a half millennia of debate have, however, failed to produce a satisfactory answer. So now it is time for someone else to have a go. Perhaps biologists can do what philosophers never manage and explain moral behavior in an intellectually satisfying way. End quote. Oh, so satisfying. <laughs> Fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. So um so basically it's the 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 age-old question, can where do we get uh this idea that there are ways that we should or shouldn't behave like for example, with respect to our family, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone kills their whole family, you don't think like, oh, wow, nice. Now we can go party. You think, oh my God, what, that person's a monster. Yeah. So why do we think like that? I mean, you think a little bit of both, but <laughs> mostly he's a, he's a monster, but also like, you know, cut those ties. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> free. Free is the flying bird. Once you realize all your relationships in life are actually just holding you back from having the most fun, yeah. uh, it's really life becomes a lot more simple. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, a, a rebuttal to this um, quote, which is that philosophy has not spent 2,000 years trying to explain why we have a capacity for moral judgments or emotions or behavioral dispositions. Philosophy is interested in justifying morality, moral obligation, etc. So there's two different projects, but there might be interesting connections between them. Okay. Yeah. So, not why we have our morality, but to justify it? Yeah, so that's like, so the question of the economist was like, philosophers can't explain why we have moral capacities. Right. But then the philosophers are like, hey, I wasn't trying to say why we have it. I'm just trying to justify the ones that we do have. Ah, so checkmate biology. Checkmate. Fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to your microscope and your bug net. Yeah, and your scientific method and your variables. Yeah. So, but here's one way that it could be interesting, right? So here's one possibility. One possibility is that our morality is caused by our culture and our human nature, like our biologically evolved human nature, is itself not moral at all. But morality must be imposed on it by cultural norm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think we've talked about this before, kind of, uh, on some level. Yeah. It actually gave me an interesting idea, right? Like, I was thinking, like, how could you test that experimentally? And, like, what you'd have to do is you would have to start a new generation of humans yeah. with no contact with the rest of humanity. Yeah. And sort of like see what happens, you know? Well, remember when we were talking about sending just all the seeds of humanity <laughs> to a different planet? Yeah. And then having them figure it out? Yeah. Would they arrive to the same moral, moral conclusions as us? I don't know. It's interesting. You'd have to like give them a hand at the beginning because they'd just be like babies. I mean, I think it's safe to say that they probably wouldn't become, I don't know. Actually, I was about to say, like, they probably wouldn't become violent immediately. But if you ever see, like, a bunch of kids on the playground, like, a lot of them choose violence. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. any disputes. <laughs> yeah, violence is very popular. So, maybe, yeah. So, like, without any, like, reasonable adults uh, there to stop it, I think we would have a Lord of the Flies situation happening pretty quickly on a very large scale. Ah. I wonder what kind of hierarchies would develop when like, say like you have like your idea of sending a bunch of seed, seed, human seeds to a new planet and they all grow at the exact same time. So they're all share the very first, the same birthday. They're all the same age, different personalities and stuff and Mm -hmm. obviously genetics, but all the exact same age. What would determine who would emerge as like a leader? Do you think would it just be physical size for the most part? Well, it would it would all depend on the combination of factors of their environment and their own capacities and like what the threats are in the environment. Also, what would their capacity for language be? Yeah, like it's it's a crazy it's a crazy idea for an experiment, right? They'd have to have robot tutors or something to like guide them along a little bit because yeah, humans didn't just pop out of the ground as babies, right? Like. There's never a point where just babies show up. There's always, they're always offspring yeah. of something more experienced. But 
There's one orangutan that will like hold them and shake them and stuff. Uh, you know how to take care of babies, right? You hold yeah. them and shake them. And, That's what you do. And you know, put them, yeah. And then you press them down on the ground when they need to sleep and turn them upside down. Just a team of very kind hearted orangutans to take care of humans and make sure that they get to the point where they can like walk around. <laughs> yeah. The Lord of the Flies thing is interesting. Um, I I read about an actual case where something like that happened. Really? Yeah, they weren't like British kids. They were, I think they were Tongan kids or something. And they were Tongan. Yeah, like they were like Polynesian. uh, Oh. Polynesian kids got lost. They stole a boat and they got shipwrecked on an island. And they lived on the island for like a year before they got rescued. And wild. When they were rescued, they were just like totally normal, like totally happy. Like they made like. A jungle. They made like a gym out of like coconuts and sticks and stuff. So they're like lifting weights. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that gives me hope for humanity on some level. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that would pan out if it was Western American people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with no skills. Yeah. Well, there's a real th- there's a real problem. I feel like and I don't mean here to sound like a communist or anything, but. The Western's desire to be such a unique individual, like each person feels like they have to be like this main character in a movie mm. about them, yeah. right? Yeah. Like everybody has this like need to become like significant in the eyes of their peers. Right. Or I don't know if that is like the the way it is in other places in the world. Definitely not. Not in Asia. And and on one, on one hand, on one hand, it. it that like mentality does produce like some of the best like art in the world, mm-hmm. I would say, and some of the best like uh, I guess technology like producing groups. Don't forget the best country, the best country, Mar- yeah, hell yeah. But uh, but uh, I don't know if that necessarily makes it the most peaceful community. You know, that that need to be like, because like, I feel like other places would have a much better go at uh, Lord of the Flies situation unfolding than mm-hmm. people with Western sensibilities. And that's just me, man. I'm not trying to go out there and change the world. All right. I'm just a humble podcaster. <laughs> but that's my theory. Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. And we're going to we're going to get look at the second possibility now, which is actually more likely, I think. Okay. And this is that evolution, right? So we, we can accept that evolution selects various traits, right? And amongst all animals, right? Among fish, it selects for, they have gills, you know. Yeah. If they live in the cold, you're probably going to have fur. Yeah. If you need to dig or kill things, you're going to have claws, right? Yeah. But it has also selected for psychological traits amongst all animals, right? Like an appetite for food, for sex. You have, you have fear, you have uh, parental bonds, like in all species, or not all species, but many species, you have these parental bonds. Yeah, it seems to be a popular choice by evolution to have that type yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. Because it's very effective. Yeah. So if evolution has selected for these things in other animals, then it seems you know equally plausible that evolution has selected for our psychological and behavioral traits. Absolutely. Yeah, so when it comes to morality, the question is whether evolution selected for and gave rise to to the development of our capacity for moral behavior. 
it's weird because evolution gave us an instinct for violence and an instinct for community and like empathy. So yeah, at some point evolution, at one point evolution is like, it's definitely more valuable to be violent. And then later on it was like, actually it's better to like take care of each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're anticipating an objection. They didn't delete the old code and now we have capacity for both. And it's really, it's really uh, <laughs> complicated. Yeah. The dual nature. Yeah. Our dual nature. But but if you're saying like evolution selects these kind of natural tendencies or behavioral tendencies, I don't even know what the my brain is not fucking working today. But you know what I'm saying? Like why would it seems like counterintuitive for evolution to put both of those in those uh character traits into our species or some are can you finish my sentences for me, man? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to get to that. The fact that like evolution is selected for lots of different traits, and some of them aren't really, don't seem to be desirable. Right. So we, we were going to get to that. But uh, generally, the idea is that, like, the short answer to the question, or the question is, um, yeah, were these capacities selected for by evolution because they gave us an advantage through improving our ability to have social cohesion? to form a social group to protect ourselves from bigger threats on the outside. Yeah. So in that case, would morality be a part of human nature if it was selected for by evolution? Yeah. Wouldn't it? I think so. But I also think like, what if we, what if humans were under very different circumstances where we didn't need um, social cohesion to survive and reproduce? Like everybody was a lone, a lone wolf human. Yeah, and we just like laid eggs that we didn't need to care for. We just like laid them. Yeah, that would be so much better. You're right. <laughs> and then we wouldn't need morality. Yeah, well, you wouldn't really. If everybody was more like, you know, uh, what's an animal that's like notoriously uh, rides a low, rides solo, like a Bengal tiger or some shit, right? Oh, yeah, parasitic wasps or something. Yeah, like we we don't need empathy to be successful evolutionarily speaking. So we'd never develop that type of morality, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of cold animals out there that like eat their own babies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, there are there are some fucking nasty ones. I think uh like, yeah, Komodo dragons are probably the worst. Tell me about it. Oh, they're the ones that uh they eat their babies as soon as they hatch. Uh-huh. Like they're fully fully cannibals. Yeah. They're probably the worst of their offspring. Like they don't have any sort of instinct to protect their offspring at all. Like they just if the mama is home and when the eggs hatch, like they're all getting eaten. That's fucked up, man. Yeah. It's like that's another that's like a that's like evolution not being good at its what it's you know, it's a fuck up. Well, see there is you've made a, a classic misconception. About evolution. No, I'm. Uh, I'm usually not. I usually never do that. That's fuck. <laughs> You're saying that there must be an evolutionary, like a, a benefit to not having the instinct to protect your young for Komodo dragons, right? Well, yeah. Well, ba- yeah. Basically, the idea is that evolution has no particular end. So, in this, it's, there's in, in no sense is one organism more evolved than another organ. Like, there's no particular perfection according to evolution, but. Yeah, the reason they do it is because 
they have no predators on their island. Right. So if they didn't do it, they would completely overrun the island and be totally overpopulated. That's hilarious. We have no natural enemies, so we must become our own enemies. Yeah, pretty much. Ten-foot-long lizards. Keep ourselves in check. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're, They're so cool, though. The only other species I know of that does that regularly is uh, humans, right? <laughs> that eats their babies? Well, that regularly murders huge portions of its own species. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And we only, only we have the capacity to do it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, we're keeping ourselves in check, too. It's actually good for the world when we kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to thin the herd a bit more. Yeah, this is kind of like the Thanos theory, right? Yeah, that is exactly Thanos' theory. Um, Also the theory in the movie Inferno, which came out before Avengers Endgame. Thank you very much. No, I've never heard of it. Did it have Captain America in it? No, it's the Da Vinci Code trilogy. Oh. It's fucking dope. Uh, Was that with Tom Kanks? Tom Kanks, exactly. Tom Kanks. (laughs) Tom, Tommy Kanks. <laughs> Tommy Kanks, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Tommy Kanks? You want to buy a painting? I got a Da Vinci. <laughs> I always get those movies confused with National Treasure. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of, yeah. Da Vinci Code's way better. Way better than National Treasure. I don't know, man. Nick Cage? They're different movies. They're very different movies. I, I love me some Nick Cage, greatest actor of his generation, hands down. <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas, oh my god, incredible performance. If I could only have one movie on an island, I would have Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, that movie's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite Nick Cage movie, I think. Face Off is pretty damn good, too, as far as it just being like a ludicrous Nick Cage movie. Yeah, they're making a sequel to Face Off. What? Yeah, with Nick Cage and John Travolta returning. Oh my God, you're shitting me. I'm not. Face off, off. (laughs) Face off, off. Face off, off. (laughs) It's a hell of a name for a sequel. Face off, off. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. I I can't remember what they had to do. They had to do something with that movie because people were seeing the title and thinking it was about hockey. Oh yeah, they had to put the uh, like the hyphen between it, like the dash. Yeah, because if they didn't do that, people thought it was a hockey movie. And weren't they pleasantly surprised when it wasn't? <laughs> yeah. Imagine expecting a hockey movie and you go into that movie and you're like, "What the fuck? What are they gonna play?" Yeah. <laughs> this guy must like he's at first he's a crime lord, and then like he gets he gets captured, right? And like. He's in prison, but there's like a prison hockey team, and that's how he gets into the game, right? <laughs> just keep watching. Just wait. No, no, they're gonna do it soon. Right? And like, there's racial division, and like a lot of the white guys in prison, they don't think the black guys are good at hockey, right? But Nick Cage comes in. He says, he says, no, this is wrong. Black guys are good at hockey. <laughs> and that's how the whole movie starts. It was a very progressive movie. Yeah, and then John Travolta comes in at the end, and it was like. And he starts yelling at the guards, like, why are those black people playing hockey? And Nick Cage defends them. And it's actually a great uh, great way to tie the whole movie together because at the very beginning, if you write the first scene, is uh, a, it's, it's Nick Cage getting a swastika tattooed on his face. And by the end of the movie, uh, he, he hates white people. And so he gets his face ripped off? 
to get rid of the tattoo. Yeah, and he puts a black man's face on his face. Okay, that's racist, Jordan. That is very racist. <laughs> I didn't write this movie. Nick Cage did. Black face off. <laughs> <laughs> black face off. <laughs> Oh, it'll be hailed at the Oscars as one of the riskiest movies ever made. <laughs> An unnecessarily risky sequel to the classic face-off. No, 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 we're not doing blackface. We're doing blackface off. <laughs> it's anti-blackface. Come on. It's just, it's the same movie, except for now it's a black guy switching faces with a white guy. Oh, my God. And then, like, they do them that? trying to explain it to the woke culture social justice oh, words, yeah. how it was a necessary procedure to save yeah. their lives somehow. <laughs> uh, uh, man, that reminds me of uh, Trading Places. Great movie. That'd be a, I'd, I would like to see Nick Cage and Cuba Gooding Jr. in that. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen Trading Places? <laughs> no. Uh, you should, that's like one of Eddie Murphy's best movies. Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. They like, Dan Aykroyd is like a very rich stockbroker. Yeah. Eddie Murphy is like, uh, I forget what he does, but he's definitely not rich. And um, they, these two like, uh, like super rich commodities brokers decide to do like an experiment and they, they make them switch lives. And so Dan Aykroyd has to live in Eddie Murphy's life and Eddie Murphy has to be a stock trader. And it's like very interesting movie about human nature. Really? Is it a comedy? You're making it sound pretty serious. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. It's hilarious. I really like Dolomite, okay? Personally, that's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Oh, yeah. I love Dolomite, yeah. Dolomite and uh, fucking... Uh, what's the one where you can talk to animals? Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. That's Eddie Murphy, right? Yep. That was a fun one. Cool. Yeah. So anyways, keep your eyes out for Blackface Off. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to theaters. Oh, God. Oh, that's fucking funny. All right. Um, okay, so now we're we're gonna get to uh, we're gonna get to that thing that you mentioned, where evolution also selects for traits that don't seem desirable, right? So yeah, we've answered the first question. The first question is pretty easy. The first question is: Can evolutionary biology explain why and how we came to have a capacity for moral behavior? And the answer is yeah, pretty much. The answer is humans need high levels of social cooperation to successfully reproduce and raise our offspring. So we need, we need morality to succeed. It's, we need it. Uh, I know, yeah. It's kind of a bummer, but yeah. whatever. We need it. Uh, but the second question is much harder to explain. And this is the normative question. Okay. And so this question is, does evolutionary biology shed light on the content of morality? And the answer to that question is probably no. What do you mean by content? So, um, right, so like, okay, so evolution, right, like we said before, right, evolution is selected for one trait where you, a parent, bonds to their children. But there's also a common trait in nature where animals will just eat offspring, right? Right. So like pretty common if a, uh, a male from a species wants to reproduce with a female from that species, in They'll nature what babies. happens, they kill all the babies yeah. and eat, yeah. All the babies from a different... Different baby daddy. Different baby daddy, yeah. Um, they get eaten. And this seems to happen occasionally with humans, right? Like, we don't necessarily eat them, but, um, you know, there are cases where people kill their spouse's children and stuff like that. Yeah. So the question is, 
all right, well, obviously I don't have to follow that evolutionary trait. Like, but then there's a problem now, right? Because evolution selected for that trait, but it's not moral to follow it. Right. So just the fact that evolution is selected for something doesn't prove that it's moral. Right. So the real question for us as, because we're rational. So um, to paraphrase the philosopher Christine Korsgaard, we are rational agents. So if we have a given trait, the question is, is it right for me to exercise this trait or should I refuse to exercise this trait? I can make the choice because I'm rational. Right. And we're the only species that can do that besides octopi, probably, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, octopi, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, yeah, exactly. That's what distinguishes us from animals. They're not rational, so they can't choose whether or not they follow the traits that they've had selected for. Yeah. That's what I do when, I, when I'm talking shit to my cat every night. I just tell him over and over again, you're not rational. You're not <laughs> rational. You've got to stop this. Yeah. Stop knocking all the plants off the bookshelf, okay? It's oh not rational. God. Why do they all do There's that? There's no evolutionary reason for it, okay? There is no reason for it, yet you still do it every goddamn night without fail. Yeah, they're just, it's... It's, it's just attention seeking. Like they just all do it. So I can't hold them morally responsible for that. No, no, I can't. Fuck. God, could you imagine the freedom of that kind of ignorance? Oh, man. Cats, they don't seem to have a lot on their mind most of the time. <laughs> Not a lot of anxiety. I know Thomas sleeps for most of the time. And then when he is awake, he is just in kill hunt mode, kill hunt, <laughs> eat mode. Oh, my God. That's like uh, Hannah's bangle is like so fucking scary sometimes. Uh, Bengals are even more wild than your average house cat, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, this thing is insane. Like, it just like stalks you around at night. Going to the bathroom at night in that house is interesting. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I'll just be walking around my house and Thomas will run out of nowhere, grab, like fully grab my calf, like wrap my whole calf and like give it a tight squeeze and then <laughs> jump off and just rip into another room. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's like a weird game of tag he likes to play. Yeah, that's fun. He wants, yeah, he wants to play tag. Yeah. Yeah, so so this is a, like an interesting thing, um, an interesting result, right? That uh, just because evolution is selected for certain traits doesn't mean we have an obligation to follow them, right? It's that old David Hume is ought distinction. Just because something is the case doesn't mean it ought to be the case. It ought to be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the burden. It's the burden that a human has is having to essentially deny themselves what evolution has suggested that they behave like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like humans are seem to be the only living beings that have to like slap their own hand, reaching for the cookie jar in a sense, like Mm -hmm. where your instinct is telling you to do something, but you have to like deny yourself that yeah like deny that instinct no animal no other animals have to do that yeah we can question ourselves yeah it's like a yeah that's our what makes us special so we hope yeah and the people that are really bad at it usually have the worst lives (laughs) yeah as far as like impulse control yeah they're all psychopaths well that's a common problem with psychopaths is they can't control impulses yeah and if you're a dumb psychopath, that usually lands you in jail like immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not gonna be easy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this so where do, where does this leave us? Can we have moral progress? Okay. 
can we have moral progress? Moral progress? And the answer seems to be yes, right? It does. So like moral progress, like what is moral progress? Moral progress means expanding the sphere of moral consideration to include more and more entities. Right. So right. At, so supposedly at the start, it was all you care about is you, your moral sphere is only you, but then maybe it expands to your family, then maybe to your tribe, right? then maybe to your country, then maybe to your whole species, then maybe to all sentient life. But you have to persuade everybody else to do that too. So, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, moral expansion over the last decade or so, I feel like, as far as like social progress. Um, but it seems like there's a, there's, there's a limit to how much moral progress you can make that, like, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to put this thought together right now in my head. Okay. Uh, like, true moral progress can only progress at the same rate as evolutionary progress in some ways. You know what I mean? Like how we were talking about how evolution kind of dictates base morals for humans. Mm-hmm. So there might be more moral, more more levels to morality that will only appear once evolution has like produced new traits that we don't have yet. Does that make any sense? Oh yeah, like I think what you mean is like we don't know the full extent of like what we're capable of until we encounter like a new situation where evolution will select for whatever will help us in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the. This, it was put really well in this article. Um, they put it sort of like this. We, although we've succeeded in making some moral progress, right? We have emanci- emancipation movements, civil rights, more and more gender equality, yeah. those sorts of things. There may be limits on how much we can actually achieve. Mm-hmm. We evolved from an ancestor similar to chimpanzees. So we may never be able to escape from our, quote, exclusivist tribalist mentality. Mm. So there's two... There are two interesting uh, responses, or sorry, three interesting responses to that. The first one is called evolutionary conservatism. And this position says, okay, human nature is what it is. So we're going to argue against any sort of cosmopolitan moral reform. Cosmopolitan moral what now? So like uh, cosmopolitan means um, a cosmopolitan is like a citizen of the world. Like you don't belong to any particular group, right? Okay. A cosmopolitan would extend moral consideration very widely. But this position is saying actually extending morality that widely and being serious about it is contrary to human nature itself. So it can't work. So we're going to say no to that. Then there's the other, the other, uh, the second response is called evolutionary liberalism, which is that human nature is now an obstacle to moral progress. And so we must use biotechnological interventions to correct or remove this obstacle. You're saying AI needs to start deciding what our morals are? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and injecting us with drugs and stuff to neutralize our our bad tendencies. Yeah. (laughs) What's that? It's they're gonna do they're gonna put us all they're gonna give us all the clockwork orange treatment. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) The Ludovico technique. Yeah. Yeah, so both of those seem pretty objectionable. Evo-conservatism and evo-liberalism both seem pretty pretty freaky. So the third option is called the biocultural option. And so this is hoping that our evolved moral nature will, will not be too exclusive 
nor to tribal. Right. And so their thesis is that we become tribal when we perceive an outgroup threat, whether it's real or not. If we think there's a big threat to our group, we become tribal. Mm. But we become inclusive when we don't perceive outgroup threats. So if we don't perceive a threat, we're like very welcoming. But if we perceive a threat, then we become very tribal. Right, 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 right. And so we've seen this, um, this tendency seems like this gets abused by politicians all the time. Like they always conjure up um, some sort of outgroup threat to invoke a tribalist response yeah. amongst people. I mean, that's all too common. And it's pretty like pronounced right now. <laughs> yeah. In these times. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's, people are figuring out that that's like a pretty, you can pull people like, uh, like puppets when you do that. It's pretty easy. Yeah. So progress would require like doing the opposite of that. So you have to, the quote is progress requires quote, ongoing cultural efforts to foster and sustain socio institutional circumstances that enable the better aspects of human moral nature to predominate. Well, sounds pretty easy to accomplish, right? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like an info war to me. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like we'll be able to get everybody on the same page about that one. Uh, <laughs> well, is there anything, any closing statements before we get to our one email of the week? Um, no, no closing statements. But uh, just remember, the next time someone says philosophers can't study ethics because it's for biologists, tell them like, hey, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Fuck you, biology. Um, speaking of morally bankrupt people, let's get to our email. This is uh, from the uh, hosts of the... Should we even say the name of their... I don't think we should even say the name of their podcast on here. I guess you would call it uh, like like an internet. It's like a, it's a, it's... Pretty much like a, the, a snuff podcast, like a, it's a, not a snuff film, but just like a, it's like the op. It's the equivalent to a, a snuff film, but it's a podcast uh, called the Back Table uh, Podcast. I think they ended up taking comedy out of their name for legal reasons because it's not funny. I think that's what it, that's what happened. Um, this email starts off. Here's the subject line. Hey, fuck faces. And then in brackets, not Sam. So they're still really on your side, Sam. They really, they have a lot of respect for you. Um, and as you can see, not a lot for me. Here writes, uh, a little bird told us you have some beef with, uh, beef with us. Weird because birds like worms, not beef. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm surprised Jordan could pull himself away from the dump long enough to read an email. See, there, this whole, it's all tied into this inside joke, which worked great on podcasts that they think I'm a bird. Um, I don't know. Uh, it'll never not be funny to them. So I've stopped holding out on them changing it up a little bit, even though it's played out, but whatever. Here we go. Maybe learn the names and references of the source material podcast is inspired by. Hermione, really? That's how my mom pronounced it, 2000. So I guess that's pretty bad roast on me not being able to pronounce a character from Harry Potter. Also, who said Harry Potter was our source material? The Philosopher's Stone is not just based on Harry Potter. No, it's not. It's very, uh, very ancient 
alchemical uh, ingredient. Yeah. So who's the nerd now, fuckheads? Uh, and then it goes on to say, Jordan, stop. Just stop for everyone's sake. Just let Sam <laughs> leave the podcast on his own so we can learn something. As if these idiots are fucking trying to learn anything in their lives. Anyways, look forward from hearing to hearing from you. Love the back table boys. See, they're trying to, it's the classic trying to um, divide and conquer us. Use an out group. Yeah, it's a, yeah, they're trying to split us, split our tribe. Yeah. So I told him we would craft uh, craft them a little email today. How, what do you think about that? I don't want to do any more homework, but that's that's your job. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know what? I'm not even feeling it right now. I'm just I'm just so exhausted. I can't even be bothered to enter into this this never ending fucking thread we're gonna have with these idiots. Maybe I'll just I don't know. I don't know. I'm obviously defeated here. Uh, but you can email us, guys, uh, uh, anyone else, at uh, tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Uh, I have nothing left to give here, Sam. What do you got? Um, I, like, got, like, oh, like, like things that we say at the end to, like, <laughs> sort of wrap it up. Type yeah. Of thing. <laughs> Let's talk. How do we bring this home? I don't know. We might not, we might not, we might not be able to. We might be stuck here forever at this point. I can't really think of anything. Well, should we do like a cold stop? Like we don't even say goodbye?
Bye.